0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. If I could title the message this morning, I would call it Facing Your Giants. There's a group called Casting Crowns that has a song called The Voice of Truth, and it's a contemporary Christian song. In that song, there's a verse that goes like this. Says, oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone, Surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor, wishing they'd have had the strength to stand. But the giant's calling out my name and he laughs at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The giant keeps on telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. But the stone was just the right size to put the giant on the ground. And the waves, they don't seem so high from on top of them looking down. I will soar with the wings of the eagles when I stop and listen to the sound of Jesus singing over me. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. I thought that was a very appropriate song, very encouraging song to me from time to time, and it encapsulates what we're going to talk about this morning. Facing a giant. Now, you all that are Bible readers know that the 17th chapter here of 1 Samuel is the is the scene which is set between. This is the quintessential David and Goliath story. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, we use that now, don't we? We talk about in elections and in, in wars and in other kind of battles. Oh, this is a David and Goliath battle. Well, this is the David and Goliath battle, okay? This is where it came from, you see. Well, if you don't think the Bible's truth and the Bible will last throughout the centuries and the millennia, I mean, just think about all the things that we say today that are just everyday sayings that come from the Word of God. This is the David and Goliath contest. And I also want you to notice something else. This is also the challenge of the ages. This is the the battle of eternity right here in a sense. Because you understand this wasn't just a little shepherd boy that was fighting in in a great battle and doing some great things. David was the great, 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 whatever grandfather of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. God had promised that Christ would come through the Davidic line. So in a sense, if David loses here and Goliath gets his way, then salvation's over. (laughs) Now don't get me wrong. I'm not here saying it could have happened that way or the Lord wasn't there. You know, we read the outcome. We've read the story. We know what happens. But this is the battle of the ages. And I want to talk to you about this and, and notice some things about this battle. You know the setup here. Uh, the setup here is that, uh, that the, the Philistines and the Israelites under Saul have come to face one another. And they've come to a place called the Valley of Elah. And it's, it's a place in, Jeru- in Israel still there today. They think they know where it is. It's a big valley between two mountains, two cliffs if you will. And Saul, the men of Israel, were on one side, and the Philistines were on the other side. And uh, and as sometimes happened in wars in ancient times, they decided instead of all the loss of life, uh, the Philistines sent their champion out. And this champion was a man among men. Saul stood head and shoulders above the others in the nation of Israel. But Goliath, if if this if the uh, My calculations are correct. He was somewhere between 9 foot 6 inches and 9 foot 9 inches tall. He was a giant of a man. And you know the story. He comes down and we begin reading in verse 1 just to set the stage here in chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes-Dameen. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And verse 4 says There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass uh upon his legs, and he and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Now look at the size of this champion. Look at what what is the children of Israel are facing? This man was somewhere between, as I said, nine and a half and nine foot nine inches tall, and the, and he had on these these heavy coats of mail the heavy uh, heavy greaves upon his legs and, 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 and those this armor was covering him that was so heavy a man couldn't a normal man couldn't bear it and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam that you might say it was almost as big as a power line pole. That's how big his, his spear was. This was a big man. And this is who the children of Israel are facing. And verse 8 says, He stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants." and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. This is the challenger to God Almighty and His armies. Now, I don't want to focus so much on the giant this morning because that's not what we need to do when we face our giants. When we face a giant, if you look at this, the size and this, the the, the Abilities and the, the, the things that are, he's saying, the things that he's doing to defy our, our God, you'll get all mixed up and you'll get afraid and you'll get in fear. But what I want us to look at is I want to look at the champion of God. The champion of God. You know, in one sense, what we're going to see here is a giant slaying a giant. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Two giants meet here in a a great sense. One of them is physically a giant, but the other one is the man that we've been preaching about who is a man after God's own heart. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is what this champion of God did, what David, the little shepherd boy, did that ultimately resulted in the victory over this challenger to the armies of God. The first thing we read about in this passage here is that David prepared himself. I've said this several times before, and and you're going to hear it again because it's such a truth that we need to remember Brother Dalton is going to learn this as he goes into uh, into the service that the, that the the key to victory is not necessarily uh, how big you are or how great your abilities are, but it's being consistent in the routine things of life. You know where it's the most important for you to be a a faithful child of God? It's not here in church. It's important. It's important that when I come to church that I'm being faithful to Him and that I'm preparing myself to preach to you, but I can't just get up here and preach if I haven't prepared myself in the routine things of life. If I haven't been consistent in the daily grind. Yeah. You know, I've said this before, and it's so important. I, you know, somebody asked a coach one time, said, you know, you, know, what, how do you, how, you know, how important is the will to win? He said, everybody's got the will to win. <laughs> everybody's got the will to win. You want to win? I want to win, don't you? Oh yeah, I want to win. I've got the will to win. But not everybody has the will to prepare to win. <laughs> See, that's the problem. <laughs> You see football teams that are uh, Super Bowl champions, and there's been very few through the years. I can't remember which all they were. I know the Pittsburgh Steelers did it, and some others have done it, but there's been very few through the years that have ever been back-to-back Super Bowl champions, even though they've had essentially the same, the same group of people, <laughs> the same group of players. But there was a difference in their will to prepare to win in the next year. You see, Goliath had the will to win, <laughs> And we're going to continue to read, and we're going to see he talked a good game. (laughs) And he had the power to back it up. (laughs) But in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 20, now if you continue reading verses 11 down through verses 19, you're going to find that David's brothers had gone to war. They had gone to battle. But David had returned from Saul. You remember, he's been down there playing the harp for Saul. But when Saul went to battle, he went home. And, you know, again... This is David who had been anointed the king. In God's eyes, he was already king. This is also David who was already working at the palace. He was no longer out there tending sheep. He was plucking the heart for Saul and doing great important things. You, You might think David would go home and say, Daddy, I'm too important now to go back out to the sheep. But it says in verse 15, David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And as you continue reading, you see that uh, Jesse, his father, said, Okay, I want you to take some food and supplies to your brothers and go see how they're doing. And in verse 20, it says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went, as Jesse had commanded. Notice what he's doing here. David... David had some some experience paying attention to the details. When he left his father's sheep, he didn't just run off like I would have been excited. Oh, I get to go to the battle. I want to go see. And I might have taken off and let daddy take care of the rest of it. He left the sheep with the keeper. And down in verse uh, 34 and 35, he, he tells about another experience he had. David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And... I ran home to Daddy and said, Daddy, Daddy, you're not going to believe what happened? Or I just ignored it, and when Daddy said, came out and said, Where's the lamb? I said, I don't know what happened. You know, No, he said, I went after him. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he goes on to talk about slaying the lion and the bear. You know, he took care of the details of life. He took care of the details. David paid attention. The victory that he won there in the Valley of Eli did not begin in the Valley of Eli. But it began on the hillsides of Judah and out there in near Jerusalem, herding and shepherding his father's sheep. I want to read you a, a quote that I found and I've always thought was pretty interesting, from Naval Admiral William H. McRaven. And he makes this statement, this is what caught my eyes, inter- I found it on the internet. and the statement sort of was the title it said, If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride. It will encourage you to do another task and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you will never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, (laughs) that you made, and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. (laughs) Pretty good thought, isn't it? Very biblical thought. Pay attention to the details. There's another story that I've always thought and always loved hearing about, and it has to do with Shakespeare wrote it but it has to do uh with uh, something that happened in 1485 at the battle of bosworth field king richard iii of england was facing henry the earl of richmond and the contest there that day was for the rule of england king richard sent his groom out to make ready his favorite horse and when his groom got there the blacksmith told him i need i need a little more iron to shoe this horse. I need just one more nail. And the groom said, nah, don't worry about it. One nail won't matter. The groom said, let me have the horse. And, and so he brought the horse back and the king got on his horse. He rode out to battle. Part of his line broke. When he rode to rally his line, the shoe came off, the horse went down, and the tale is told that he said, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. And this is where the saying came in. For want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, a kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. The little things in life matter. The preacher Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do... Do it with thy might. David didn't cut corners. David was consistent in the routine things. And he was also committed to to serving God, committed in spite of ridicule. (laughs) If you were to look at verse 28 here in in chapter 17, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And what had happened here is that David had seen Goliath now. And in verses uh, 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw him, fled. And uh, and they said, Have you seen this man that has come up? <laughs> and uh, David spoke in verse 26. He said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Well, in verses 28 through 30, Eliab uh, hears him. And Eliab, about midway of that verse, said, "Why His anger was kindled against David. He said, Why camest thou down hither? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. (laughs) He's saying, You little boy, what are you doing here? What do you think you're doing calling us out and saying that... uh, that, that, and, and saying that we ought to be doing something different. You're just down here to, uh, uh, to see what's going on, and you think you're something. Now, David's got a choice right here. David's got a choice. David can, David can fight his brother, or he can keep his eyes on the prize. You know, if David had fought his brother, he never would have gotten around to the giant. We need to remember that, don't we? We don't need to get in. You know, uh, we're told, in, uh, uh, Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. He didn't just say fight a fight. Yeah. Sometimes we fight the wrong fight. <laughs> we fight the bad fight. We need to fight the good fight of faith. Keep our eyes on the prize. Keep looking at that. And, you know, so he had, he had to face ridicule. And then, then in verse 33, <laughs> Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. I promise you there's always somebody around that will tell you it can't be done. Right. There's always somebody that's around to say, you know, you're so foolish to go down there and design Primitive Baptist Church. They don't have but one member, <laughs> you know. I, mean, I have to confess to you, and I, and I, I, I hate to even, it, it breaks my heart when I confess this to you, but I thought my brother was crazy when he went to Bethlehem, Brother Mackey. I thought he was lost his mind. He went over there, and there was just a few people. And that was an old, primitive Baptist church. They didn't even have a piano. They didn't, you know, they didn't meet every Sunday. I thought, I said, I told my wife, I said, I can't believe this. Tim was. He, he ought to be right over here where I'm at and doing, you know, and I, you know, I didn't ever tell him that, Brother Mackey. I'll, I'll have to say that. But I thought, but I, I was in that category, and you and I have also been in that category, and we need to get out of that category of being negative against uh, things that God is leading others to do. Because if you look around, how many of us would really be here at Zion if we'd listened to what the world's criticism said? Oh, that church that church there's no way they don't have anything to draw people with it's an old church it's few people there there's no way he says you can't fight this giant because you're just a youth and he's a man of war from his youth it's always somebody around to tell you it can't be done you know the problem here was is that saul in the first instance was a coward anyway and his whole army was servants of Saul instead of servants of God. Who in that army? Think about this. This is a nine foot, six inch giant. But who in the army of Saul could have stood a chance against him as the world looks at it? It was Saul. He was the man that was standing head and shoulders above the rest of his, his, the people in his army. He's the one that should have been down there. He's the one that should have taken the challenge. He's the one that should have said, I'll go out there in the spirit and power of the Lord. I can do this. But instead, he's discouraging everybody around him. And then we see that David was not only committed in spite of these obstacles. He was courageous in the Lord. Look at verse 36. Verse 36, David's telling Saul, after Saul's trying to discourage him, he says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He didn't say, I'm going to do this. He didn't say, I did it. He said, God did it. And He's going to do it again. (laughs) Where does your courage lie? Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says, Be strong in the power of the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Not through my abilities, but through Christ. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And you know, David never sang, he never said anything else different, did he? Even over in verse 45, at the end of all this, when he was facing the giant himself, He said, "'Thou comest to me with a sword "'and with a spear and with a shield, "'but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, "'the God of the armies of Israel, "'whom thou hast defied.'" David never sang any different tune. He stuck to that he was courageous in the Lord. And then he not only prepared himself, but I want you to notice he prepared his weapons. He prepared his weapons. Look at verse 38. "'Saul armed David with his armor, "'and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. "'Also he armed him with a coat of mail.' And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed he to go, for he had not proved it. What that means is he couldn't go, he couldn't move. He had all this stuff on him, and he just wasn't able to go in that. He tried, and it didn't work. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Notice, he continues here in verse 40. He took his staff in his hand... And chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistines. Notice he used a sling, which was not a common weapon of warfare in that day. Saul tried to put his own armor on him, but David said, I can't go. I've not proved these. I don't know how to, how to use these. Now notice, notice this again. Saul, with all of his stature and all of his armor, was afraid to face the giant. <laughs> David, without any stature and without any armor, had courage in the Lord and was ready to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, as we read here, he used what he knew. He used what he knew. You know, the rules don't change just because you're facing a giant. Sometimes we we tend to panic. We tend to... oh, I I know what I've been taught. I know what I've grown up believing. But you know, wait a minute. Now I've got kids. And I just don't know if this Primitive Baptist church is going to be good enough for them. I just don't know. There's no youth group. There's no... here. The world is scaring me to death because there's there's stuff out there. And oh, I better get them. You know how many times I've heard people say, Oh, I'd come to your church... But we're just looking for the church with the best youth group. I want to say to you, child of God, we got the best youth group anywhere right here. <laughs> we got the best old group here anywhere, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, I'm not saying who's in that group either. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm telling you, we got the best group anywhere. And and the, and the, the rules don't change. Just because the giant is there, right. you go with what you know. <laughs> you go with what you use. You cannot, look, Saul could certainly have used those weapons that he had proved, okay? if he'd had the courage of his convictions. But if you're a shepherd boy, you're better off with a sling and a stone than a sword and a shield. (laughs) Understand me this morning. If you're a shepherd boy, you're better off with a sling and a stone than a sword and a shield. You can't be somebody you're not. God will use you where you are. He prepared his weapons. And he prepared his vision. Prepared his vision. You know, I'm so bad to see the glass half empty. You know, that's one thing. I'm talking about my brother. (laughs) talking about Tim. And, of course, don't any of you say I'm bragging on him here, all right? So you get the big head. But uh, (laughs) but now he sees it as a glass half full, you see. He sees it that way. He's much more optimistic than I am. I tend to look at, oh, well, here's a problem with it there. There's another problem here. But see... (laughs) Instead of an invincible giant, David saw a golden opportunity. He saw a golden opportunity. Look at verse verse twenty five and twenty six. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it, and it shall now listen to this. This is Saul's incentive plan right here. It shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Notice what's going to happen. He's going to get a lot of money if he kills the giant. He's also going to get to marry the king's daughter. And then his father's house will not have to pay taxes anymore in Israel. They're going to be freed up from that burden. They'll be freed up in Israel. His father's house will be free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? And they, they told him in verse 27 what it is. David's, David saw a golden opportunity here. He didn't, he didn't see an invincible giant. This was the most mismatched battle ever fought, I believe. That's why we call things like that today, David and Goliath battles. David was a little guy. As we've said before, he was so insignificant to, to the family that his father didn't even call him to the meeting that Samuel had when he was looking for a king. And Goliath was a man of war from his youth. He was of Gath. And by the way, that's significant. If you go back to, uh, uh, to Genesis and uh, you go back to Deuteronomy, or Numbers rather, where, uh, where you read about the spies that went out in the land. It says they spied out the land and they saw the giants, the son of, sons of Anak there. And it named several cities where they were. And, and Joshua, uh, we're told, he slew most of the sons of Anak, except in just a few cities. Ashdod was one and Gath. Gath was another. Gath was the hometown of Goliath. This was, he was an intimidating giant, no doubt. But David didn't see an intimidating giant. He saw a golden opportunity to demonstrate his faith and courage in the Lord. And then finally, David prepared his heart. He prepared his heart. He brought the courage of his convictions to the battle. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, we read that uh, after Saul, uh, Goliath first comes down and challenges the, the children of Israel, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That word dismayed carries the connotation of, of falling down prostrate on the floor and, and of being broken. In verse um, uh, 24, in verse 24, it says, the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. They fled from him for months. And we read that for 40 days this happened. For 40 days he came down. And he, and, and for, for these 40 days, the army of Israel stood quaking in their boots as they daily faced this loud, obnoxious, defiant giant. Verse 32, And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go out, or will go and fight with this Philistine. This, he says, don't be afraid. I've got the courage to go out and fight this guy. And he brought the experience of his victories to the battle. Not only the courage of his convictions, but the experience of his victories. Verse 34, we've already read it. It says, thy servant kept thy father's sheep. Or his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of the mouth "...out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him." Verse 36, "...thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God." He said, now David here is not living in the past, but he's looking to the past. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man who had the courage of his convictions, and he brought the experience of his victories." What does it say over there in Romans chapter 5? I've always liked this this, chat, this verse, series of verses. Romans chapter 5. Let's look at that for just a minute. In verse 3, he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now notice what he's saying here. It's okay to look to your experience for encouragement for the future. He said, when you have tribulations, endure them with patience. Because it, works your, it, work, it doesn't create patience, it works patience. You, it's like working out. Tribulation worketh patience. And if you endure with patience the tribulation at hand, it'll give you experience. And then when you have experience, you'll have hope the next time the tribulation comes around you'll be able to look back and say, hey, you know what? I've had something like this before. And and the Lord brought me through it. I was patient. The Lord brought me through it. I can do it again. He can deliver me once more. That's not living in the past. And you shouldn't live in the past, but that is looking to the past. And he brought the confidence of his faith to the battle. Verse 37. (laughs) David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And I like the next verse. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Poor old Saul, who should have been right there with him, should have gone with him, should have gone in front of him. He said, all right, whatever, go, Lord be with you. You reckon Saul had any idea that this young man was going to win? (laughs) I think he thought, hey, your blood's on your head. Your blood's on your head. He said, go. Look at verse 45. Well, let's look at verse 41. When he came out before the Philistine, it says, The Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He just dismissed him. He thought, who is this? He held him in contempt, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He didn't look like much. He, he looked like very little, in fact. He said, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. You know, that's the time when I'd have been thinking about running. I'd say, ooh, he's a lot bigger in person than he looked when I was standing up on the mountain, you know. But look what David did. David had the confidence of his faith. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. <laughs> you know, I want to say this to you. This is the place where the rubber meets the road. This is the point where David better hope his faith is well placed. Because <laughs> he's been challenged by this giant. And he has turn, in turn brought the confidence of his faith and thrown the challenge right back into his Into the giant's face. But in the end, we read in verse 48 It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face on the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. In the end, God won with a teenager, a smooth stone, and a borrowed sword. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? (laughs) That's pretty impressive. You know what God says about that, though? What Paul, rather, says about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things which are wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. I want to leave you with a few lessons here that I believe will help us in our daily walk. First of all, if you want to slay a giant, you've got to learn to shepherd sheep. You've got to be consistent in the daily grind. If you want to... Fight in the battle against a giant and be successful. You better be successful in the daily battle of being faithful to God. Secondly, as we've already seen, go with what you know. Go with what the Word of God teaches. You don't have to put on the armaments of men. You don't have to borrow somebody's armor. John the Baptist. They came to John the Baptist and they said, "Who are you?" And he said, "Are you, they said, are you are you the one this promised? Are you this prophet? Are you that prophet?" He said. I'm John. I'm John. That, that's who I am. I'm nobody else. I'm just me. That's who I You can't be anybody but you. Go with what you know. The other thing is this. Another lesson is you must confront your problems. You must confront your giants. Notice what it said back in verse 8 of this chapter. It says, um, he stood... Um, Uh, He uh, when when Goliath is down there challenging them at the end of that verse he says choose you a man for you and let him come down to me come down to me notice in verse twenty four let's see verse twenty five in verse twenty five in the very first part of this verse the men of Israel said have you seen this man that has come up (laughs) so remember they're in they're on both sides of the mountains. uh, facing each other in a valley in between and the giant is down in the valley uh, to start with but by the time David gets there he's coming up toward them on the other side and this is the point the giants in your life will not stand still they will not stand still you must confront them Saul didn't confront his giants and the giant continued to advance another lesson that we must remember is this <laughs> Our, <laughs> if you'll notice it was in the valley that David confronted the giants I don't think I've ever had a giant to fight on a mountaintop. That's right. When things are going well for me spiritually, when we're having annual meetings and we're having times like this where we're together, I'm not fighting a giant right now, okay? My giants will come tomorrow. My giants will come next week. My giants will come when I'm in the valley. Yeah. But it's in when we're in the valley that we must remember the mountaintop. Finally, as we've said already, look to the past, but don't live in it. I've used this example before, but I love it. (laughs) I love it. Verse 54. David took the head of the listing and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Why did he do that? I don't know all the reasons, but I got a suspicion that one of them was that when David was having a bad day, when he was facing other giants in his life, he was struggling with Saul, he was struggling with uh, the loss of his friend Jonathan, he could go back into his tent and he might be weeping, he might be miserable, he might be down, but he could look over there and say, Hey, I remember a day when I slew a giant in the power of God. I remember a day when God blessed me to do that. Young folks in this church, there may be a time, a generation from now, maybe a couple of generations from now, when, when, when things aren't as vibrant and exciting as they have been for us right here. There may be times of famine in Israel, famine in Zion, famine in Bethlehem. Don't go to Moab. Don't forget, don't get down there. Remember times like this. Brother Dalton is about to leave us. He's going to be gone for several weeks and, 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 I, and I'm certain he's not going to find this kind of fellowship where he's going <laughs> and so there will be times when he gets down and out but he needs to remember today remember these times when we've been so close and so in fellowship and in the spirit of God remember that and the final thing is this in the end it doesn't matter how small you are or how big your enemy is what matters is that God is going with you. Psalm chapter 3, as we close, he says, Lord, how they are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. Now listen to this. I laid me down and slept. I await for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O oh Lord, save me, O oh my God, for Thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone, Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. May the Lord bless us to have victory over the giants in our lives. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.